0: Hey everybody and welcome once again to Prime Time with Sean Mooney and another great week. Coming off my conversation with DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. Man, you talk about a dynamic person. What an incredible journey and so many great stories and he is not done yet. We are going to have Dallas back very soon. Dallas is full speed ahead with DDP Yoga. He's now acting, not to mention all of his other commitments Love catching up with DDP and can't wait till he stops by again next time. Well, the lineup, folks, just keeps getting better and better. This week, I cannot wait to get to our guest, the superstar who I always enjoyed working with in the WWF. He had quite a wild ride during his time in the WWF, WWE. Brutus, the barber, Beefcake is on the podcast, and we're going to welcome him in in just a minute to tell us about his new book and, of course, what's going on with him and the Hulkster. What's happening with those two? Well, you're going to hear all about it. But I do want to take the time to thank everybody for all the comments, the suggestions, the messages. Please keep them coming to me on Twitter, at Sean Mooney Who, and, of course, by email at primetime at mlw.com. Also, check out the official Primetime with Sean Mooney Tees at prowrestlingtees.com. And come on, you, get, you can get your Sean Mooney Who tea. You don't have it yet? Or you can get the ding, ding, ding tea. Or, of course, the ever-popular official Primetime with Sean Mooney logo tee. It's a great way to help support the show, folks. And uh, you can do that by just going to ProWrestlingTees.com and search Primetime with Sean Mooney and get yourself one of the collection. Now, last week, I mentioned that uh, we were going to have a contest because uh, we've been giving away the unreleased... Uh, unseen matches DVD for folks that went to iTunes and gave us uh, a review and a rating. And of course subscribed, we'd still love you to do that, but we want to open it up so that everybody who listens to the podcast has a chance to win one of these DVDs from my good friends at the WWE. Uh, the way we're going to do that is uh, we have a prime time with Sean Mooney Facebook page. Uh, we just started it out. And uh, what we want you to do is we want you to go to that page prime time with Sean Mooney and like us. Okay. Uh, when we get to 500 likes, we are going to randomly select one of the people that have liked us, and we're going to give away that DVD. And I've told you before, I don't care where you are. You can be in the Middle East. You can be in the UK. You can be in Germany. You can be in Italy. I don't care where you are uh, in Iowa. I will make sure you get this DVD. I will sign it, and I will send it to you. Okay? All righty. Let's get to the main event. Right now, I want to welcome in a superstar who brought to life one of the most remembered gimmicks in the history of the WWF, known to be one of Hulk Hogan's best friends and wingman, although that is certainly debatable right now and something we are definitely going to delve into. He's got a new book out, Struttin' and Cuttin' is none other than Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Brutus, thank you so much for coming on Primetime.
1: Hey, not a problem, Sean. It's a, it's a good to see you. It's been so many years, and then now I get a chance to sit down and talk to you and about some co- cool times is it, really gonna gonna be fun.
0: Yep, and uh, we certainly do have an awful lot to talk about. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about uh, the situation with the Hulkster, but that's to come, folks. You're going to have to stick around for that because Brutus has so much happening right now. As I mentioned, he's got a new book that uh, he's written, a uh, four hundred. Pages plus and a tell all of uh, an incredible life. It's called Strutton and Cutton, and uh, it happens to be available for pre sale right now. Uh, if I'm going to mention it several times, but grab a, a pen, it's uh, you, all you need to do is go to brutusbeefcake.com and you can secure your copy. It will be out uh, right around Christmas, so it's going to be a great Christmas present, not only for yourself, but uh, your family and friends. So uh, we'll be talking more about that. Uh, I did want to mention, though, folks, uh, and Brutus kind of said we got a chance to catch up. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, did the Big Event 13, which was taking place in New York City uh, in Queens, right by LaGuardia Airport. And it was a fantastic event. What, Brutus, wasn't it a great event? Oh,
1: it was uh, it was great. And yeah. the fact that uh, <laughs> we definitely had a lot of attention where we were sitting. And people just flowed through there and kept
0: coming and coming and coming. And it was a it was a great day. Yeah, and, and there were there were uh, folks that were like ninety uh, uh, prominent names in wrestling. Uh, uh, you know, everyone from Shawn Michaels and and Sergeant Slaughter was there. The Rouge Pat Show. I mean, how how yeah, about Pat Patterson. Patterson? Yeah, he was right next to us and had a big line there. And uh, you know, of course, as Bruce, Brutus mentioned, we were we were front and center, and people were like marching in. Brutus had this big long line there, and I'm sitting next to him. And they're looking over and like Sean Mooney that's that, that sean mooney uh, what and so i was kind of that rarity so uh, they wanted to come over and say hi to me but uh brutus had the line out the door and uh and, and you you've been doing a, a lot of stuff lately you're every weekend you're you're somewhere right these you're doing the comic cons the wrestle cons the different shows
1: well i I've, i don't think i could do do every weekend now and everything yeah. uh, but uh well, you know i get out a couple
0: weekends Well, uh, i know the folks were so hot. happy to see that's- you
1: yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's so great to get get out and see the fans, talk to the fans, you know, listen to what they have to say about the business now and and how they feel about the the, the business when you know when I was uh, running wild in the '80s and, and '90s.
0: And uh, it's very interesting. You know, isn't it incredible though, Brutus? I mean, when you go to these places, just the fans that, uh, and I, and I, you know, they, they, they are certainly is, uh, the WWE is, is very popular, but there was something about that period uh, of the, you know, the mid eighties, uh, maybe right through to the nineties that was maybe consider the golden era, like the best, uh, period, uh, for pro wrestling. And are there any better fans out there than, than the people that, that followed you and all the rest of the superstars during that time?
1: Uh, they're very loyal fans, uh, yeah. you know, and, and d- during that time period, it was a real transitional period in, in the wrestling world. It, it, you know, like like everything, it changes, and sometimes it changes small over long periods, and then sometimes it changes huge in a short period. And, yeah. and that's basically what was happening at the, uh, the end of the 70s and then the early 80s, and all of a sudden, bam, an explosion.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And uh, we're going to be getting to all that, folks. But uh, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this weekend because, you know, I, I mentioned the Big 13 event was really something. And then it started to – it took kind of a strange turn, didn't it, Brutus? We we went to Staten Island where well, there was an event taking place, okay? Was, yeah, we had a secondary,
1: uh, <laughs> a secondary event planned yeah. to uh, – you know, try to uh, pick up some additional dough. <laughs> and I did, it kind of went south on us, and we found out that it had been canceled. And <clears throat> we were now going to plan B, which we didn't know anything about, and and uh, we're driving off into the sunset, and uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it was pretty interesting. What how it turned out?
0: Yeah, and and uh, to and we won't. Uh, we'll get through this quickly, but it, it just it's vivid in my mind the way it all went down. Is that we left uh, LaGuardia uh, right by the airport there, and we headed for Staten Island, and we were we were starving because we hadn't eaten anything. We'd been sitting at tables since early in the morning, and they said, "Oh, we're going to take you down. We're going to get you." Uh, something needed, this great Italian restaurant and, and on Staten Island. So I'm excited because, you know, I'm out in Arizona. I don't get great Italian food. So they take us down there. We're all over the place. We went to the wrong restaurant first, uh, and then we still got to the restaurant, and there's no Brutus. Brutus is nowhere to be found. And he had, was worse off than I was because he had some guy driving that didn't know where he was going, right? I mean, you guys yeah. are just <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, I was
1: about to jump uh, jump out and just choke this guy to death, actually. He was, yeah. he was the worst, worst driver in the world mm-hmm. and trying to negotiate through bumper-to-bumper traffic and... Yeah. You know, you know, through on multiple highways to get to, and he didn't even know where he was going to begin with, trying to holding a cell phone about six inches from his face so he could see it and trying to drive. And I was sure. freaking out, man. And I was, we got, they got me to this restaurant just in time. And, uh, yeah, I think we were finishing you know, up when you finally, everybody got. was done and, and,
0: you know, <laughs>
1: And uh, you know, no offense to the food, I, I was was horrible. I, I'm I'm just glad I didn't die from it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was all part of the fun, folks. I am not not. Oh. Gonna, it was to me, it was a great adventure from start to begin, from the very start till the, the end of this thing. And so we ended up going to this place, and it was basically I don't know what you'd call it. Brutus, kind of a, uh, it was like a, a batting cage place entertainment
1: center to, slash. Uh, Recreation center where it has
0: warehouse,
1: it. Uh, <laughs> kiddie rides, <laughs> video games, yeah. and, and then, then wrestling. And they set a ring up, and we they're yeah. having wrestling there. You know, it's just I'm I'm just sad because we missed the really the highlight of the whole night would have been seeing King Kong Bundy wrap his hands on, around.
0: Uh, what's his Ramon, name? Yeah, Razor Ramon. Yeah. Razor
1: Ramon's neck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and we and have a little backstory back on that too, uh, because uh, like Brutus said, we go to this place. It was a very small place where they had a ring set up and they had these, you know, these tables we were supposed to sit at these people had no idea. Uh, who the, I mean, there were some very big names in wrestling there. Uh, you know, the warlord was there and Eric Bischoff was there. And of course, you know, Brutus was there.
1: Scotty Norton. I haven't even seen Scotty yeah. Norton in like
0: freaking years. Yeah, and, and, and nobody's going up to these tables because they don't want to spend the money to get the autographs or something. So we're all sitting there watching these these horrible matches take place. And then they put us in a, and and finally they just threw the towel. Like they said, okay, we're out of here. So we leave. And apparently after we left, because Scott Hall was supposed to be there, and he did arrive when we were there, a big entrance. He had disappeared and he and he makes his entrance there. And apparently after we left, we missed the best match of all, right? That's <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was in a vodka rage. And uh boy, he started messing with the wrong guy, King Kong Bundy, and uh things I think when things went bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, oh, hey! One thing I gotta tell you, yeah. and this, uh, as far as you, I, I heard you mention Eric Bischoff, and then I remember, yeah, hey, they're seeing him over there with yeah. the same sourpuss look on his face. Missy nicknamed him at Allentown, uh, which we probably might touch on here. Yeah, uh, we're getting there. With uh, <laughs> it was, uh, as as a new name, and calls him Eric Pissed Off oh. because he always. Always has the same look on his face, pissed off.
0: So it was a really interesting venue there as well, and uh, there were a lot of uh, big names there. Uh, as uh, Mike Rotundo was there, uh, you know, and then Fred Ottman was with hanging with us the whole time too, which was very cool. Uh, tugboat, Wendy Richter. Yeah, Wendy. That's right, Wendy. Ten minutes. And I remember I didn't
1: didn't even recognize Wendy. Wendy (laughs) hadn't seen her in twenty something years, and sat. She was sitting behind us the whole day there, and then not till the end of the show, somebody said, "Yeah, there's Wendy Richter." And I go, "Where?" And they go, "She's right there." And I went, "Oh my God, please don't tell her I said
0: that." (laughs) No, but she was really great, though. I really enjoyed hanging with uh, Wendy, and she was kind of laid back at first, but then she kind of got into the uh with the gang and having fun and um everywhere we went it was you know where we when we get there it was always 10 minutes so that kind of became the, the joke the roach,
1: the roach yeah. gag and the breakfast thing was yeah. hilarious
0: yeah. oh yeah she's definitely this, gonna
1: have to look look
0: try to look that one up come you know yeah so, she had this so, magnet roach that she uh, put in uh, bobby shelton's uh breakfast that was pretty funny um oh, yeah. but uh, the, the, uh, at that venue in Allentown, the, uh Brutus, they were lined up. They want, they couldn't get enough uh, of the beaver there. They, they were, were uh, very excited to see you. So that Sunday was, was much better. And, um, uh, we had a good time there in Allentown.
1: Oh yeah. I've been there several times. Probably. That's probably my f- third, fourth time at, at, for that same guy.
0: Yeah. Well, it's an years. interesting, yeah. And it's a really interesting place. Isn't that I mean that it's a museum basically. Museum. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. With and, just incredible uh, memorabilia and all kinds of stuff there. Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, we, we had a really great time, and Scott Wilder. Uh, you know, we, we it was a great adventure from start to finish, and I would uh, love to go back again. I was it was really fun. Um, but uh, moving on, and we did get a little bit sidetracked. But Brutus, that's what I'm known to do. I go off the tracks all the time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let, let's let's get back to uh, uh, your career, and uh, you know. Everybody wants to hear about how you got into wrestling and how that all happened. but there's not a whole lot on uh, on you before that and I know you grew up in Florida. so tell us a little bit about uh, ed leslie and and where you grew up and what your upbringing was like well I went to uh, I went to Catholic school. I'm one of five kids and we oh. all went to Catholic
1: school uh, until like high school and then it, it, was uh getting a little too expensive to put five kids here. But that oh, yeah. was great. I, in the uh local local school system. My sisters went to the same school. A lot of wrestlers did. Eddie, uh I mean Mike Graham, Dickie Slater, um then Terry, you know, the Hulkster went went to that school. I went to that school. Yeah. I had a lot there was quite a few wrestlers that actually came out of that out of the same high school.
0: Yeah, um, you know, and we're talking, you know, in Tampa, you're talking that's where you grew up. Um Tampa. Yeah, and yeah born and raised really- that people don't realize what a hotbed for wrestling that was right yes
1: well you had the florida championship wrestling territory florida being one of the premier territories i mean back then charlotte you had kansas city harley his uh his territory uh, the the texas territory the you know the the awa in minneapolis and vince in new york all territorial the whole country covered in some west coast stuff also. And, uh, you know, but wrestlers would move around. They were the, like the carnival acts, you know, you go somewhere for six months or a year. Sometimes, you know, if you were lucky, you could, you'd actually get to stay a little longer in a place. Um, and if you weren't so lucky, sometimes you may only stay, you know, three months, six months in a place and then, and be moving on, you know? And, uh, so it was, that was a rough way to go.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually you could see everybody. So the biggest names would eventually come through Florida. And so how did you get into just being a fan at first?
1: Well, uh, I have an old, older sister and she was kind of a little tomboyish liked hot rods and and liked wrestling. So I was, um, volunteered to go with her to the wrestling matches in Tampa at Fort Hesterly Armory. And, uh, Man, on Tuesday nights, it was a wild, really? wild night there. You had the great Malenko and Eddie Graham and, and Dusty Rhodes and, and Briscos and Jose Lothario and just, I mean, you name it. They, they had a, a, a Wahoo McDaniels, a, a list of guys. that was as long as your arm. And Florida had it all.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And I uh, used to go to these shows all the time. Right. And, uh, it, it's funny cause you, you had mentioned to me uh, before that, uh, that, that someone else was going to these at the same time and you didn't even know each other at the time.
1: That's right. That's right. Terry, Terry. <laughs> <Bollea. Yeah. laughs>
0: and he was going to these matches at the same time and he, 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 and he was down at ringside. I mean, what was, uh, what was the, what was Terry Balia like at that point?
1: Well, I was up in the balcony, you know, uh, Contained and uh, he was down at ringside just giving all the 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 wrestlers, uh, the bad guys, I guess, giving all the bad guys hell, like (laughs) the typical fanatic fans, you know, that usually marks, yeah, you know, that you have at ringside. And yeah, and uh, you know, he was went on to to uh join some uh rock and roll bands and, and play you know, play bass guitar and play music, and and then the wrestlers would come to their to the Shenanigans Pub and the ABC Lounge and stuff to hear them play, mm. and that's how he first got his ideas to to get in the res- wrestling business because the uh, the Briscoes and those guys would love to party and stuff, so they were out and uh, Humperdinck, a manager, and they said, "Man, you you should be a wrestler." You're he was tall and wearing these yeah, big yeah. shoes on stage. He looked like he was seven foot tall, and. uh you know, they said, yeah, you should you should be a wrestler. You should be a wrestler. And and uh, that's where I think that's where you got the idea to, to, to try to be a wrestler.
0: So how did you guys become friends, though? I mean, uh, it wasn't at these wrestling matches. How did you guys end up uh, crossing paths and becoming friends?
1: It's, you know, because we're all, you know, brothers and sisters, my sisters and, and my younger brother, we all went to the same high school. So there's a lot of, you're all in the same circles. And there was, you know, at, at events, at school. And things like that so when i was going to football games and different stuff uh when i was younger my older sisters i or going just going to the beach and going to the places you know on the weekends and stuff you would see you know the older kids from school and terry was one of the kids from our you know from school
0: yeah. that
1: i pat you know cross paths with but they, you know they weren't giving me a second look because i was you know
0: underclassman. you know yes this <laughs> young young small skinny kid
1: upstart yeah oh yeah <laughs>
0: So when did that change? How did you guys become, uh, you know, where you started hanging?
1: Uh, let's see. Well, back uh, high school and, you know, met at the beach a few times. And then, uh, you know, I got in to try, wanted to, you know, put on some bulk. And so I started lifting weights and we, I wound up meeting him at a, a gym kind of near where I lived down in South Tampa called harry smith's gym because a lot of the wrestlers go there so that's so he was going there my father knew harry smith so they sent me there and the next thing you know i met terry there and uh and then wound up you know trying to go to the same gym where where he would go and uh you know eventually working out with him and and his friends
0: yeah and, and so you really initially uh you just got into it to get bigger, and uh, I mean, you really started getting into the bodybuilding part, right? Yeah, you weren't thinking—you were, just, thinking, I, you were I, thinking wrestling at this point. I, I wasn't had no thoughts whatsoever about being a wrestler.
1: Yeah. I was just trying to, you know, put on some weight. You know and and uh you know and i could see that you know the wrestlers you know had lots of chicks and stuff usually running around them and hanging out hanging around stuff so i thought you know hey that sounds good you know get get some muscles on you know and Mm -hmm. then so you can reel in some
0: chicks well and uh you you certainly it paid off i mean because initially weren't you uh you were the one that was pretty cut and getting into the bodybuilding. And Hulk, was he as big as you at that point? Or did, did you drive him to say him looking at you going, Hey, mate, wait a minute, maybe I can do this.
1: Well, I think, you know, it was kind of pushing each other and that's what folks okay. kind of do, you know, and stuff. I mean, I was a little younger, but I was definitely ahead of my, you know, curve, um, and physically, and I was, I was strong and, and, you know, just determined to, to dominate the, the things that I was going to, you know, trying to do. So I it was definitely good for him to have somebody pushing and pushing and pushing, uh, pushing so hard to, to keep you, you know, leaning into the wind and going in the direction you want to go. It's easy to get lackadaisical and get lazy.
0: Yeah. And so at one point, cause you mentioned that a lot of the wrestlers would go to these clubs where, where Terry would play and they, they had a pretty damn good band from, uh, you know, what I understand. So th- it was a, it was a big hangout. And so uh, they took notice of Terry. So was he the first one who was really approached about getting into wrestling? And then were you drawn in or how did that happen?
1: Well, I, I just think, you know, he got the idea. The wrestlers said, hey, you should try being a wrestler. You know, he liked the wrestling. And uh, I, uh, I think what he did was he went down for a tryout. And then uh, the, their uh, their trainer, a guy named Hiro Matsuda, uh, very, very Powerful and uh, knowledgeable uh, Olympic wrestler, and he did their training. And I think they took him into the school the first day, and they exercised him till his tongue was hanging out. And then the guy took him in the ring and stretched him, broke his, you know, posted his his ankle.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. So like it was a You're, serious break. Was it? I mean. Well, it was uh,
1: just a clean. I mean, break. you break
0: it, it, but but oh man, really?
1: That's that's how they <laughs> discourage
0: yeah
1: that they don't want in the business you know that's no. what you face when you start trying to get into wrestling back in the in the 70s this was like 1975 mm-hmm.
0: but uh, apparently he was undeterred because he he showed up again he came back right
1: yeah he went back to the school and actually finished his training or whatever it was for a month there or however long it was I don't know and then basically I guess they they figured because they couldn't get rid of him that you know they would just not book him or they booked him in the farthest
0: towns away that were 300 miles away so and, I mean did they not see any any promise in him or what you say they trying to get rid of him what I mean well, you got a guy who's six seven looks like Hulk he's obviously been built up because he's been working out with you what was why would they want to get rid of him
1: uh well that I mean he was tall but he wasn't uh you know he was only about two 255. Back then, you know, so, no, so he was, he was, he was, he was big and tall, but he wasn't all built up muscularly, uh, uh, to speak of at all. And, and, you know, he had long hair, you know, and he was a musician. And as far as the, the establishment wrestling that, you know, the the actual guys who ran the company, Eddie Graham, despised people like. You know, from the outside, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, guy, he, you know, some long hair guy, they're hippie, you know, yeah, you know, they didn't want no hippie and in, in the wrestling business here in Florida, and then so they they made sure he didn't get in here. So did you?
0: You were witnessing all this? Or were you around? And and
1: uh, uh, I mean, and you kind were like of,
0: know part of it at this point. What was going on with you? Well, I just was, you know, I'm just doing my thing.
1: I was in junior uh, junior college, working uh-huh. a job, doing. Just the average Joe stuff. And then, yeah. uh, you know, and I guess he got tired of that. Uh, you know, them, he knew, you know, what's going on. They, they, they were discouraging him. So he wanted to try to figure out some way else to, to get around this. And he had met some guys, uh, I guess, through the Florida uh, territory that said, hey, if you ever want to, you know, really try wrestling again or something, if you get back on track. Give us a call. So uh-huh. he uh, he went back to the drawing board, you might say. I think And uh, a guy in Cocoa Beach who ran a bar had told him, "Hey, if you ever want to do something or want to come to the bar and work, you want to, you know, maybe start start a gym or something. I'll back you up. You know, I'll help you out." So he thought, "Hey, let me give this guy a call, see what happens." So he did, and the guy said, "Yeah, come on over to the Cocoa Beach." Can work at the bar. we we'll, we'll set you up in a gym. See what you can do.
0: So, at this point, and we'll fast forward because I want to get to where you guys uh, started to think about wrestling. And uh, so, how did it come about that you finally that you got you in the ring, and uh, and and then lead me into the Boulder Brothers?
1: Well, it's just uh, you know, he uh, decided to go move move over to Cocoa Beach and try to get all his friends try to get somebody to go with him and basically nobody would step up nobody wanted to quit their job and take a chance they wanted to be a wrestler and so you know he ran out of options (laughs) he so he called the young kid uh Brutus uh, Ed that everybody used to rib and make fun of and everything and uh and you know begged me basically hey you know if you you come over here, we can do all this and work. And then, you know, maybe you become a wrestler. I don't know, whatever. I said, no, I'll go see, see what What happens. We'll (laughs) see, you know, sounds like it'd be better than doing what I'm doing. So that's what I did. And who came up with the Boulder brothers? Now it was Ed and Terry. He trained for 18 months, almost six, for for 12 months and, and put on considerable bulk and size and got in shape. So you got serious. We got real serious. And then okay. then when we made a phone call and uh had a meeting with some guys and they took one look at us and went, Oh my God, yeah, this we this we need to make another phone call to the right people. And they called Jim Barnett in Atlanta, who was running the, the, the Atlanta territory at the time. And Jim Jim Barnett, Jim Z took one look at us, said, Oh my boy. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh and then so they they made a phone call to uh, territory in Pensacola and, and uh, the Fuller's own ran and which was a nice uh, small territory, a good place to go and get some experience, some ring experience. And without being, you know, exposed on television too much and, uh, you know, you could still be kind of under the radar there and get some experience. And so that was the perfect place for me to have my first match. And that's where I did. I wrestled a tag match with Eric the Red and Ox Baker. Hmm.
0: And so this all be, this is where it really started rolling. And, and a lot of people don't understand, uh, and especially at this period in Florida, like you said, they've got all these territories, and then there's these other ones, you know, Alabama, and there's Georgia, and, and you've got to pay your dues. So uh, what was that period like? How long was it that you guys were just, you know, living out of a – I think you said you're living out of a van, and you're just going and earning – uh, nothing right i mean
1: gas money money enough money to to eat on barely and then uh, gas money to drive to the towns and then you know we, we always slept in our van that went on for f- five or six months probably really you know and then we started you know and then uh we, we were kind of ready maybe to to move up uh, move up to the next level or maybe we were impatient i don't know maybe both yeah. And so they, they called the uh, Jerry Jarrett in Tennessee, and they came up with this idea where they said, the Hulk is coming. That's why they started calling him the Hulk. Uh-huh. And they did a vignette, Jerry Jarrett, I was there at the Jerry Jarrett's house, we did this vignette, he sort of started on Terry's boots and came up, and he had a picture of them all posing and everything, and he looked pretty formidable and stuff. And they brought, you know, so they sent me into the territory first, Ed Boulder, and on TV with Ron Bass. <laughs> Go uh-huh. figure. Outlaw. raw uh, outlaw Ron Bass and Big Pete Austin. I was in a tag match and basically they busted me open so bad that they almost <laughs> had shut stop the television show. I wow. had so much blood coming out. It basically took a half hour for the guy in the dressing room. Like to this day, I can't remember his name. But he him and his uh his wife both worked for the company. She was some kind of a valet. Yeah. They he sat there for a half hour in the dressing room with a compress and ice on my head trying to stop this bleeding and then basically i never got it stitched up but they they put these uh uh, butterflies handmade butterflies out of tape on my head and then taped over that and taped (laughs) over that and basically i I lost so much blood
0: I, i almost couldn't even get on an airplane to fly home wow and uh so you guys went from what making 25 bucks a night sometimes uh, gas money so this is like big time i mean weren't you making what was like 800 a week when uh, well,
1: sometimes yeah, yeah yeah five six
0: so that was big a, money yeah. right i mean at that, that time big difference
1: big difference yeah from making 50 bucks a night
0: at this point you guys you, you're progressing i mean you're you're doing bigger shows in memphis uh, is there a turning point where you, where you remember, because it wasn't, it wasn't going to be much longer after that before you guys would really start to, uh, you know, be among the elite, what took place during that period of time? And I don't, I think we're, we're talking early eighties here that, uh, this was happening.
1: Well, it was late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Both of us were, uh, hitting different territories. Um, you know, they would, you know, still call me, uh, Eddie Boulder or- and then uh, Terry went to New York in seventy eight ish, seventy nine, whatever, and they renamed him uh, Hogan. Uh, Vince right. wanted to be an Irishman, so he named him Hogan, <laughs> and then started calling him Hulk Hogan. And uh, and um, and basically, you know, I was running around the the country, the uh, mid south, with Bill Watts and with uh, Ted DiBiase and those guys, uh, Stan Hansen, and you know. A, a, vast, you know, Harley Race, all kind of guys, you know, still getting experience, getting getting more and more experience in the road, wrestling and, and, and stuff. And then, uh, eventually, you know, I was given a chance to, uh, put my skills on display, uh, for Vince's territory. And then that's what got me, um, got me and, and, and then, Basically the same thing. Terry was kind of discovered by Vince working in the AWA territory, you know, doing a thing there. Uh, this Hulk Hogan thing, the Real American or something, Red, White, and Blue deal. And uh, so, bam, we both got our shots. Bam, they liked us. Bam, next thing you know, we're in New York.
0: Boom, and, and everything's happened. Everything just took off. But that, but that, uh, that point before now, you had mentioned that, you know, this time it was uh, at this time it was the WWF Vince Senior was writing it and he, he brought Hulk up and then, uh, you know, Hulk did the Rocky three thing. And, uh, apparently he didn't like that. I I, didn't like the idea of guys going out and doing other things. So, uh, Hulk left. And then he, uh, during this time, he also was in Japan. And so you guys are just, you're, you're, you're doing your own thing, uh, honing your skills, I guess at this point. So, uh, when was the, the, the big break though when, when uh this you know when Vince was Vince Jr. was uh really starting to take over. Is that is that when it happened and and how did that happen? Because uh what uh Terry was there first and then you got the call.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh well the, the AWA was you know rava uh, rivaling the the WWF as a territory Andre yeah. the Giant you know was one of his favorite territories you know he's being French and stuff and they they did a lot of their stuff in Montreal and all over yeah. Canada so the Giant that was his favorite place to go and uh, yeah, so he was on his skills there. I was uh, in, uh, hitting the Charlotte territories, working with the Briscoes and the the Mulligans and, and those guys and, and Ricky Steamboat and with all kind of good top people, Greg Valentine, all kind of guys. And, you know, uh, I shot through the territory uh, right after he and Terry got there and uh, in Philadelphia. And he was working with John Studd and it came up in the, while we were there, that Big John stud was supposed to go to Austria to wrestle this, uh, Austrian champion, a big guy, Otto Vance, and they need a replacement. And I mm-hmm. was Johnny on the spot right there. And, and, I mean, obviously I'm not as big as John Studd, <laughs> Yeah. but, uh, but they gave me a shot and normally they don't, they didn't put anybody over there for this, this shot with Otto Vance. It was once a year deal. It was under 300, 350 pounds. No, oh, wow. you know, big because right. this guy weighed four hundred and fifty oh. pounds, <laughs> and he was, you know, and he wasn't tall. He was only about six foot tall and weighed four hundred fifty pounds, so he was wide, you know. And uh, and so I went over and and did a uh, had the best match the people, uh, his friends, his people there in the town said he ever had.
0: Now, how and, do you, how and, do you
1: work with somebody
0: like that and make it that kind of a match when they're that big
1: well it uh, was you know it, had, it was challenging the matches yeah. over there have rounds and stuff yeah. Yeah. And you, you know and uh basically the auto had a reputation as being a hard ass and and being stiff and basically, we talked. He said, you hit me as hard as you can and blah, blah, blah. And so I was in the ring just beating on this guy and running all around the ring. And I was pretty hefty, about 260 and strong. And yeah. and uh, all the boys were ribbing me before the match, saying, yeah, yeah, you talk about the slam. Because the big thing was everybody would try to slam Otto. <laughs> almost, really, almost nobody could slam him. Nobody could pick yeah. him up. So. They were all ribbing me and I said about the slam. I just said, "Yeah, yeah, okay, you know, whatever." And when Otto called for the slam in the match, I picked him up, brother, and slammed him. Oh wow! The whole place went quiet. They couldn't believe it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and basically, he couldn't get up from the slam. He was so fat and out of shape, and basically couldn't even get up. And finally, I went over to him and to pick him up, and he small packaged me and a and a in a small package, one, two, three, and then they rolled them out and he rolled out of the ring and basically they had to take him out in, in, in an ambulance because <laughs> his back or something, his yeah. back went out. And then they fixed him up and he wound up coming back and everything and talking to me and shaking my hand. And he said that was great, the great, best match he'd ever, you know, the people said it was the best match.
0: So, and it, it was, a, it was just, it, you know. So it was a great break. I mean, if you look back, that was that was kind of like your break match, the one that really got you noticed by Vince.
1: Yes, that was a breakthrough match. They, uh, 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 they made the call, said, you know, bam. So it got me a shot. That's that's all I'm
0: trying yeah. to say. <laughs> so uh, this is 84, right? Uh Brutus, when you went up? Uh, uh, when you got yes. okay. So I'm always fascinated by how you guys took this all in, because here, you know, you went from not too long before that. Basically living out of a van, and then you 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 know uh, this progression here, and it what didn't happen overnight certainly, but then you arrive and and as you said before when we were just getting started, how uh, during that period of time, there was this massive shift in professional wrestling, and obviously people know what that was. It was Vince McMahon ignoring territories, spreading this across the country, his product, uh, all of his marketing techniques. Hulk Hogan, uh, you know, was suddenly on the scene here. What was it like to be, you know, to arrive in that scene and, uh, be given a chance to be a part of it?
1: Well, it was, it was incredible. I mean, you know, like you said, we were, we were, we took some time honing our skills. Hulk was in, uh awa honing his skills watching learning from their baby faces and stuff stealing stuff from them that's you know i'm doing the same thing learning how to you know learn how to be a great heel and, and starting to learn how to do the baby face stuff and and you know bam they caught on just really fast it was amazing you know it was amazing uh the way the yeah for me the way the people uh received me it was it was incredible
0: yeah and and they brought you in as a heel, and you were Brutus beefcake uh, but and with uh, then they had a manager for you, a luscious Johnny Valiant. um so uh they seemed like they gave you a pretty good pr- push initially, right or were they just trying to find a place to put you? No well, they were giving me a pretty good push there yeah. you
1: know it was it was it was a good push, yeah, and there's no doubt. Yeah. um yeah. Johnny V wasn't the greatest choice for a manager. <laughs> but, you know, we, I tried to make the best of it, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and, you know, but they were definitely, you know, giving me a good push. I was working with uh, a lot of top guys right off the bat almost. You know, I mean, and, what was it,
0: and what was it like at these houses? Did you see how these, uh, you know, these house shows really started to, uh, you know, have these big crowds at them? Uh was there a point when you really noticed, like, holy cow, this is really happening? These people, you know, it's becoming, it's becoming more than just, uh, you know, it's becoming mainstream.
1: Well, it, yeah, it was, you know, twenty, thirty thousand, you know, but then again, you know, it, this is all. I'm, t- I'm giving away everything from the book, Sean. We got, got to leave. Oh, you, are you something, kidding me? You got four hundred. Got to leave you something. Yeah, something okay. to I, talk I, I, about. Yeah, I will. I, will, I promise. <laughs> holy <laughs> cow, man! <You're laughs> killing me here. <laughs> Yeah,
0: give well, get all the details. Oh, there's much, much more. I'm sure in that book than what I'm going to draw out of your book. So I know that for a fact. But, uh, but, the thing that I'm, I just really want to get though is that uh, it must have just blown your mind though to see what it was becoming. Because eventually, you guys are rock stars. They're, they're, you, you are no different in fame than these guys. Uh, you know that step on on the stage in front of uh, you know fifty thousand people and play music. Right, I mean, it was it was just getting crazy. Hollywood had come to
1: the realization that wrestling was to be something to be reckoned with, and now they are all over us. VH1, MTV. Bam, we're all front and center on all this. NBC network, bam, Saturday night's main event. I spent more time on Saturday night's main event than anybody in the company
0: yeah. on, uh, on these shows. It was, and and this know. is, and folks, we're talking now uh, that with wrestling was back on national television, which had it's not happened crazy. since the 50s. You know, it was, it was just amazing. You know, prime time primetime. Yeah.
1: It was amazing.
0: I, yeah. I'm just fortunate.
1: And I'm so thankful to be able to have been there and, and and been a part of it.
0: All right. So during that run with the WWF, and we won't get into the detail, details, folks. You're gonna have to go to the book to get all of that when he <laughs> first got. But you did team up with Greg the Hammer Valentine and had this this tremendous run, become uh, tag team champions. So uh, that's kind of the pinnacle at that point for you, right? I mean, uh, to, to that, get to that, 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 was that a, point.
1: That was a tremendous, tremendous run with Greg. I mean, they kept us busy. We just worked day and night. And uh, wrestling all over this country, I, all I, and all over. We even went to Europe, or all over Canada. And uh, yeah, I mean, winning the belts, um, we, you know, was was huge. You know, and um, just you know, things just kept getting better and better.
0: Yeah, and you, uh, you know, you the WrestleManias. You're seeing what you know, participating in these WrestleManias, uh, and, and then in '87, uh, you break with Valentine, and you end up becoming a babyface. This was a pivotal point in your career because uh you you started doing some single stuff right and you thought you were you were getting over pretty big time and then suddenly they yanked the rug out from under you.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I guess you know, they didn't let me in on their plans when they split me and Greg. Um there there was I was supposed to work with Adrian Adonis right after that WrestleMania 3 uh deal where Piper, you know, beat him in a hair match and all that. And then Adonis basically split, you know, and that's where they landed the uh, barber uh, that I was. So the they
0: barber. they were going to have you just get into another tag team? Nope. They or were they're just, just going to have you work as singles with Adonis? Okay. They're going to have me work as a singles yeah. with Adonis. Okay. And then,
1: but basically Adonis bailed out. He didn't, yeah. he didn't want any part of it. And uh, so we, I, you know, we had to get, Figure out something to do with this barber thing. You know, they show me as the barber and brought me on TV in this white thing and said, I'm the barber now and everything. And basically, <laughs> it was I thought it was somebody was mad at me. It was a curse.
0: Yeah, why you weren't pleased change? by this. You weren't why, pleased by why this. Was I was
1: changing my gimmick. Now, I I'd spent three years and roaring, raging across the country, all over the place. Everything hot as red hot on fire now and now and now, cha- and now I got to change it. and uh, so yeah I was I was real upset. I didn't know what to do at this point. The whole barber where, where to go with this barber thing and then but you know thank God for the a, a friend in Hulk Hogan he was there and he came up with a couple ideas. And is this after after you took the locker room
0: apart, or is this because? yeah?
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> after I dislocated a bunch of lockers. So. And, and uh, you know, he called me down and said, Brutus, why don't what if we did this and this and this? And I said, hmm, you know, wow, uh, yeah, if, if we can do that consistently and, and keep it up for a while, this thing might have a chance. So then, yeah, he went to the office. Said, so here's, here's what we ought to do, and blah, 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 and this is how we can work it. And, you know, they loved the idea. So, boom, we put it into action. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, Br- Brutus was strutting around the ring, pulling out scissors. Put the guy, uh, after I put him in the sleeper, I pulled out scissors and then would drape them with a, a cloth or paint them. Some hairspray. I'd cut their hair and get a mirror and show them the, show them the results, and the people went bananas. Yeah. They,
0: now well, I think that what what is really important here too, though, is that I know that uh, one of the things you said though is that if I'm going to do this, then it has to happen every time I go in the ring. And yeah, Why was I that mean, so key?
1: Well, here's the thing. It's like, just you know, for example, it's like Hulk Hogan after every match. He went out and posed and did a whole routine, got the people all into a frenzy. Yeah. And every time, after every match, no matter what the outcome, he always did that. And the people always stayed there and waited and, and, and watched for that for that event. And it helps. It's what establishes you and gets you over. And by seeing that haircut, by using that sleeper hold and, 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 and getting that haircut, I mean, you can't obviously get it every, every time. But 90% of the time, 95% of the time, people were getting their haircut. Sometimes yeah. even a manager, sometimes this, sometimes that. But it, it kept the gimmick so hot. P- people knew when they got to the arena that they were going to see a haircut. And they came for it.
0: Yeah. And, and were, were you a little bit uh, like skeptical, like, I, I don't know if this is going to work? And when did you realize that this is over big time?
1: Well, after the first, you know, after the first four, five, six TVs, you do, you know, those those TV days every few weeks. And after, you know, it started, it started picking up steam. You know, the haircut thing started getting over. You could feel it and the, hear it from the reaction of the crowds. And, uh, you know, I started feeling you know getting into the to the character and plugging in the you know plugging my personality and everything and into the Brutus and getting uh came up with the idea to get the big shears and come to that and then I redesigned my own outfits and changed yeah. them up and put fishnet and all kind of crazy stuff and came out in these you know even more wilder outfits than I had been wearing and then and the people loved it, it just everything I did it was you know I was just fortunate to have could, could help good people around me and and uh, and just i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't do any wrong almost yeah, yeah. everything so I, was right,
0: yeah, and you had some you had really had some great feuds and i, I loved the gimmick i really I was the same way i could you would love to see what you know when you you cut these guys' hair it was a it was such it was such a shoot i mean you know you can't like just you can't make hair you know get back on somebody's head, so people loved seeing it. And uh, you had some great feuds, the one with the Honky Tonk Man. I remember, the you know, the Peggy Sue matches with uh, Sherry. And then you had uh, George Animal Steel with with Georgina. Right. And, and you also feuded with Randy Savage. And then uh, the Hulk and the Zeus, when we had the No Holds Barred matches, you were you were involved in those as well. Uh, wow. Of those, what, do you, what stands out to you? What, 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 of those uh, feuds, what were the ones that really stood out? Was there one that you really enjoyed the most?
1: Well, I you know Randy was a challenge to work with, but we always had fantastic matches. Yeah. You know, Mister yeah. Perfect, uh, uh, different guys, ravishing Rick Rude, just, you know, tremendous talent, Junkyard Dog. I mean, I got to I was working with everybody, and you know, it was just it was just am, am, amazing. You know, those yeah. those times that the, the personnel, the personnel that we had to to work with was
0: great. So we're talking these feuds and. uh you were definitely over You were really at the peak of, of uh, your popularity, your fame in the WWF. You pinned Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania six. That was the first time that ever happened on a pay-per-view. And then uh, we're, you know, uh, moving forward there in 1990, I want to talk about the parasailing accident. And uh, this was in July of 1990. Um, Tell us what happened.
1: Ah, well, (laughs) it's a, it's a whole process, but I mean, uh, we're at a, we're partying and, and having a good time on a lake place north in the north end of Tampa on the Fourth of July and uh, doing some parasailing. That's where you fly behind a boat, you know, in a parachute. Yeah. And uh, it was just a freak a freak accident. And and the you know the boat the boat took off. I was trying to help out. And the person that was being pulled by the parasail got dragged right into me and BAM! I got hit so hard, uh, about 30 miles an hour so hard it ripped me out of the water and threw me in the air. And then I came down and basically my entire face, all the bone in my face was crushed. And I was blind, I couldn't see and, and, uh, and uh, you know, but, but fortunately for me I, I wasn't unconscious. So, I was able to get my bearings and uh make an airway with my hand stuffing my f- oh. my fingers in my mouth try to and, and pu- forcing my mouth open because it wouldn't open everything was broke, everything was oh. busted and uh and just wait for help and uh it was just a miracle at this point that the the impact hit me so hard it ripped me out of the water should it should have broke my neck instantly yeah but that wrestler's neck, big, big neck from, you know, all the years of working out and and being in shape and should have, they should have flown a helicopter in, flew me right out to the trauma center. And then, you know, went from there, but instead it went bad. And the local emergency, the local uh, ambulance drivers with no, no experience and no training put me in the back, drove me to the closest little hospital with no facilities for trauma patients and left me in a wheelchair, oh in the lobby, uh, dying.
0: <laughs> so, so, how did you end up? Because uh, at a trauma center, what did, did somebody finally realize this no, guy needs better? Never how got you-
1: to a trauma center. Uh, <laughs>
0: they they, they couldn't move me. I was so
1: badly injured. They were afraid to even move me. Oh, um, it's it's just a long story. You know, they got a, a doctor who's uh, just. It's like so many things happened. Had to happen that it's it's just an unbelievable story and this, this doctor came in and took over the thing and and figured he could help me out and, uh, and basically by doing an experimental operation and trying to put me back together and, and basically they they gave me no chance uh, 50/50 chance that I might even that I might just make it through the first first night and much less make it through all this surgery, the surgery. The surgery that he had planned to do—a 16-hour surgery—but somehow miraculously, you know, the guy did all this stuff. We got all these wire and st- uh, titanium and screws, and took bone out of my skull, peeled my face off, and put all the stuff in there, and then put it all back. And, and <laughs> believe it or not, I'm, I'm I'm alive to talk about it.
0: Yeah, and this is an operation that had never been done before, right? This doctor that uh, that did it, that somehow uh, a miracle worker. Uh, they usually
1: did this type of surgery to test, uh, the, you know, repairing the the, the fractures on a cadavers, and then hmm. they that, and that's what that's how they tested. You know, would try these these surgeries. So he had never done it on anybody who was alive before. I was the first one to be able to say that to, who survived the procedure.
0: Wow, and uh, and just moving forward with like a hundred uh, different plates in your face, right?
1: Well, oh, no, not that many, no. All that's all bone grafts. It's a lot of bone grafts and pieces of this puzzle put together with eight eight strips of titanium and all the wow. screws that huh. are strapping the bones to hold them in place until they could heal, Jeez. and then uh, my you know my whole face wouldn't be moving around anymore.
0: Yeah. So uh, fast forwarding on this, and it's just incredible that I I remember being in the WWF at the time. People didn't think you'd ever, I mean, just hope you have a normal life. And yet in the meantime, you're uh, working out uh, and you would return to the ring. How in the world did you do that? And it was about a year, right, or a year and a half. I don't know how long it took you, but that's incredible. Well, it was probably uh,
1: the first couple of times I tried out getting back in the ring i didn't really feel that comfortable that's why they started up the barbershop thing but i mean basically six months after the after the um surgery and things were healing up and progressing and stuff um i was already uh pretty pretty recovered pretty well and doing um stunts in a couple in a film that hulk (laughs) that terry was making in california called suburban commando um the undertaker before he was the undertaker was in that same
0: movie oh that's amazing <laughs> all hollywood and, uh, stars
1: yeah and well just you know i was just happy to be working and doing and, and and healing and doing you know getting better and better every single day getting stronger and stronger and stronger and you know finally you know i wound up you know to the point where i felt good enough to get back into the ring um you know obviously the doctors said you know that was crazy i was insane they were afraid i could die with a single blow uh possibly or something which was still possible i had had suffered the most horrific concussion brain you know trauma and you know it, it's a, it's a crap shoot you anybody yeah. who suffers that bad of trauma if you get hit hard enough it could kill you
0: yeah and and uh you you would come back and uh you got back in the ring uh, and had, uh, you know, some, some amazing years that you, uh, you know, uh, you came back in 91 and then you did the, the thing with the, the, the rockers and uh, you know, I, I want to get you back and we, and we can get into all of that uh, the rest of the, your career and you spent time in the WCW, but I know I don't have you for much longer. And I know a lot of folks have been wanting to hear about uh, what's going on with, with Hulk Hogan. And uh, you know, Brutus, you guys have known each other for, what, you know, 40 years. Uh, not just, uh, you know, uh, partners in the ring, partners in business of doing, uh, and and really helping each other get to the top of uh, the world of pro wrestling. And now it seems like you've got a, a major division here. Uh, tell me what, what's going on with the feud. Well, uh, it's, a,
1: it's a kind of, tricky question to answer (laughs) it's not just you know i don't know one thing and just things change you know I, i he changed a little bit after you know he split up with his uh wife linda he he became a little you know a little different and and uh you know and and he was now he's on his own and i was still married and now you know and but i you know my my was going bad too and then uh, I had met some, you know, a new a new person in my life, Missy, and and, and we were hanging out together, and things were going good. And then uh, you know we all got together. Um, you know, I was thinking about trying to move, you know, get back into Florida and get reestablished here. And then uh, I don't know, it's all, all all of a sudden, bam! There, <laughs> it, there was an incident. I don't know, some words were exchanged. Between uh, you know, between Terry and Missy, and and uh, basically that that conversation uh, helped, kind of caused uh, you know a huge risk, rift,
0: rift, and, and and things started going bad at that point. So this got this got personal with uh, the with, with Missy and and Hulk. I mean, is that where it started, or had it been brewing? You know, because. Like I said, you guys have been friends a long time and been through an awful lot.
1: Well, he didn't know her. I, he he had spoke to her on the phone a million times. It wasn't like yeah. he wasn't familiar with her and everything. And just uh, when when she got here and stuff, maybe he had some perceptions or some ideas about her. Thought maybe she was a little wilder than she was. I don't know. Uh, maybe and, and said some things to her you know, maybe about getting together, but Missy wasn't into that kind of stuff. So Missy shut him down big time. Mm. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, he didn't take it well. And then it's, it's like ever since that, you know, it, it, the Lord says, forgive, forget, you know, whatever. Hey, move on. But I, I guess, you know, he just hadn't been able to move on past it. And so, you know, if he's got a problem with her, he's got a problem with me.
0: And so have you had any conversations? Has this been, uh, you know, or just what we've been seeing, kind of these Twitter wars between you two?
1: Well, lately, this has been the the Twitter stuff about stuff about the book. And I don't know if he was worried. I might put some stuff in the book he wouldn't like. I don't know what what, what there is to worry about. But at the end of the day, um, this is there some stuff in that book folks might want to read? <laughs> oh this is there's some great stuff it's just all it's just true you know it's life of brutus not the life of uh, hulk hogan and mm-hmm. uh it's it's you know just the you know the, the true story of of how it was all done and all everything came about lots yeah. and lots of you know and some good detail and good good road stories and everything and you know i i talked to him on the phone one christmas a couple years ago for an hour and kept you know he says he's into God, he's all this and that. And I said, well, brother, there's got to be some way that we can work this out, that we can all get along on a social level, everything, bury the hatchet. Can't we just bury the hatchet? I mean, blah, blah, blah. And basically he says, no, we can't. Blah, 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 blah. And I go, that makes no sense whatsoever. What do you mean? Let's just move on grow up here whatever and he just said he wouldn't he couldn't do it he wouldn't do it and basically
0: that was the last time i talked to him and that was two years ago at least yeah really yeah so i mean would you like to see it mended or is is uh well it's it's a
1: crappy way to
0: no, no, it's, it a, it's a
1: super crappy way to end a friendship. But I mean, it's not going to be disrespectful to my family, to my wife, and stuff. I, you know, that can't be permitted. And you know, um, if he doesn't want it, you know, I mean, it's as simple as that. You know, I never did disrespect his wife or girlfriend or anything. Uh, and so, you know, I expect the same from him as far as mine goes. And if he's not prepared to to live up to that, then that that's fine. Then you know we go our separate ways. I hope he uh has a great life. You know, I got no harbor no ill will towards anyone.
0: But is the door open?
1: Well, if he wanted to walk through it, absolutely you can walk so right good. in anytime, man. But but he'll
0: uh, have to knock first, right?
1: <laughs> right. You know, just Jimmy Hart just pulled out of a show uh two days ago that I was Booked on with him and because he didn't want to be in the same room with me.
0: So it's gotten serious with that. I mean, we know
1: that Jimmy's very serious. To Hulk. Yeah. Hulk, yeah. He's Jimmy Zulk's number one boy, you know, always has been for a long time. But, you know, even Jimmy fell out of favor once for a while, brother. And and <laughs> you should have heard the names being slinged at him and then uh, for a few years. And Jimmy was out of the fold. And Jimmy yeah. was this, and Jimmy was that. And then things changed, and then Jimmy came back into the fold. And now it's just like it you ever used to be. Jimmy, there's Jimmy. Always yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Brutus, it was really great to catch up with you in New York because we had not seen each other since we worked with each other uh, back with the WWF. And it, it just seems like you're in a really good place now. And, uh, you know, I haven't met Missy. Uh, but like you said, she, she really kind of runs the show for you and it's awesome. I've talked to her a few times, but it sounds like she, you found somebody who's really special in your life. I did. And she's great. And she says, she says, don't give
1: away everything. I'm too good. You know, make, make them, buy the book. I said, oh, I don't think I gave away everything. Honey. No, no, no. That's 400 pages. I've no. Wet their appetite. There's, there's plenty. There's plenty of good, uh, of, of good stories, road stories, all kinds of You know, just just a good
0: old-fashioned truth. (laughs) And (laughs) and lots in there. And, folks, uh, like I said uh, at the top of the podcast, it's uh, Strutting and Cutting with Brutus Beefcake. And uh, you can do pre-orders right now. Uh, Go to BrutusBeefcake.com and place your order. And from what I understand, Brutus, it's going to be out around Christmas, right?
1: That's right. We're hoping. We don't have an exact date but that's the way things go in the world of printing you know it's you know they they, they have a sentence of schedule they go by and, and then they you know
0: it, it is what it is yeah, but uh, <laughs> but i know missy said it's it's going to be around that time folks so uh that's it is a, definitely a must read i can't wait to read it and uh and i'll be certainly talking about it once i once i get a copy um uh, as you found out once again folks uh during this podcast Brutus the Barber Beefcake remains one of the most interesting superstars to ever step in the ring. I don't think that's ever going to change. Uh be sure to check out his uh, new book and uh, Brutus uh really it's been great and I'm uh really loved catching up with you. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Well, thank you
1: Sean. It was great great running into you after so many years and good to see that you have uh done well and you're you're very happy in your home in Arizona, and things are going
0: good for you, too. All right, man. We'll stay in touch. Oh, you bet we will. Again, want to thank everybody for all the comments, the suggestions, the messages. Please keep them coming to me on Twitter at Sean Mooney, who, and, of course, by email at primetime at MLW.com. Folks, those of you who have emailed, you know I answer, so email me. And uh, let me know who you want to get on the show, uh, who you want to hear from, uh, what you want to hear about from them. Email me, okay? All right. Also, check out the official primetime with Sean Mooney Tees at ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, help support the show, folks. Got a great collection. More are coming. And last week, I mentioned that we're going to have the contest that will allow our listeners a chance to win one of the unreleased Unseen Matches 1986-1995 to 1995 DDD from my great friends at the WWE. Uh, Here's how you can do it, folks. Just get to our Facebook page, Primetime with Sean Mooney, and like us. When we get to 500, we are going to select one person from that group, and you are going to uh, win that DVD, and I will send it to you. Great stuff this week with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And, folks, there is a lot more on the way next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you then. I'm out.